This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. Broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Joined here by Hollywood Sam Knight. Big shot Sam Knight. Coming off his appearance on TMZ. Um, did, Did we tweet out a link to that yet? Have people seen that? We did. We did tweet out a link to it. Okay. Good. Good. I figured out why they wanted me to come on, or I should say one of my uh, Facebook friends told me oh, yeah? um, what, what their MO is, and um, she said that they had reached out to her to get her on the show, and she declined, but she was out of curiosity. She asked them, you know, what's the deal? Why'd, why'd you reach out to me? And they told her, hey, we just slide into the DMs of people who comment on pop culture stories. So you too uh, can be a pop culture commentator if you stay posting. But actually, I have an in for you. And <laughs> I'm only half joking. The uh, Whoever it was I was talking to on Skype at TMZ said, hey, we're always looking for uh, new people to bring on to do these like 15 second snippets of commentary. So if you too want your 15 seconds of FaceTime on TMZ Live, <laughs> slide into our DMs and I will try to help you make that happen. We know people. We know we know people in the business. Got a connection now at TMZ. We can get you on TV. Sam Knight can hook you up. I was talking to Sam before... Uh, before we started recording here and he's completely unaware that the moon is falling totally unaware that moonfall this blockbuster film is opening tonight i don't like you know promoting much pop culture and movies and shit that goes on we don't we don't generally talk about that much but i'm pretty stoked about this movie I'm sure people have seen the trailer for it except sam knight who hasn't seen the trailer for it yet somehow i'm getting inundated with it because Maybe I'm the targeted audience because of like space shit that I Google. But, Kerbal Space Program, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. They know my profile. They know what's up. Uh, yeah. The premise of this film is that the uh, the dang moon is falling, falling to Earth, and NASA has to save the day. Doesn't that violate um, some very basic laws of motion? Don't uh, think about it too hard. Just, just. Be thankful it's not another Marvel movie or uh, a True. reboot of uh, a, a, a Disney movie or something. Very true. I think there's something going on. Like there's based on the trailer. I you know I haven't seen the movie yet. Based on the trailer, something else is going on. The moon isn't just falling to Earth. There's something going on with the moon. The moon isn't as it seems. The moon is haunted. Something's happening. All right. We got the garbage can coming out later. Do some FOIA reports here uh, in just a few minutes. But first, new jobs numbers show that the economy added almost 500,000 new jobs in January. It also added a fuck ton of new COVID death. Get a load of this. On January 1st, the number of average COVID deaths a day in the U.S. was just above 1,200, which is a lot, if you ask me, <laughs> 1,200 people dying a day still of COVID, but um, everybody seems to have moved on and can tolerate it. By the end of January, on January 31st, the daily average of deaths had increased to more than 2,500, so it more than doubled. Thanks in part to all that new job creating, Biden's top priority as president has been to keep the economy open no matter the conditions of the pandemic. That's why he cut off expanded unemployment insurance, uh, allowed the eviction moratorium to expire. He's allowing the child tax credit to expire. I think that expires today, actually. It's all about get back to work, Jack. But the administration does want to keep the pandemic going when it comes to border security. Because also this week, the CDC extended Title 42 which allows immigration authorities to immediately deport people who arrive at the border before even hearing their asylum claims. It's an emergency measure citing the COVID pandemic. Trump implemented it in 2020, 
Over the objection of his CDC, Biden has continued the program with the full blessing of his CDC. And combined, Trump and Biden have deported more than a million and a half people under Title 42 authorities. Gun. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I will say. Uh, Careful, Hinckley. (laughs) Still got to buy that art. Uh, On the... In foreign policy news, the Biden administration claims it had nothing at all to do with the death of 13 civilians during a raid in Syria by U.S. forces that targeted the leader of ISIS, a guy named Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Karashi. Got to be honest, I haven't kept up to date with the new ISIS leaders since they got Baghdadi. They don't make ISIS leaders like they used to. No, no. Reports out of Syria are that six children and four women were also killed in the raid, but the U.S. military claims that they died when Karashi detonated a suicide bomb, killing himself and those around him. You find that believable, SK? Well, uh, considering it was half a year ago that the U.S. military incinerated a bunch of children in Afghanistan claiming that it was ISIS, and then it turned out they were lying through their teeth and then exonerated themselves. Uh, No, I don't find that believable at all. The Pentagon hasn't released any details on the raid. Uh, It'd be fairly easy to prove this claim if they wanted to. These raids are typically uh, recorded, both video and audio, so that Biden and others in the Situation Room can watch it as it uh, goes down. So you could release evidence uh, proving that. Um, I-, I would say that if if it is true, if Karashi uh, detonated a suicide bomb, killing himself and his family and other civilians in the compound, the raid wasn't so daring, right? Like, if the dude murked himself before special forces even got in the building. Why is everybody congratulating themselves? Good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems like a pretty easy gig there. The dude just blew himself up before we uh, did anything. But yeah, like Sam Knight said, there's a lot of reason to doubt the official narrative coming from the Pentagon. And when reporters asked the White House about this on Thursday, asked if there were going to be any more details Uh, or any more evidence to prove this claim that there was a suicide bomb detonation. Uh, Jen Psaki, just the White House press secretary, she just disregarded the question and accused a reporter of believing ISIS reports or ISIS propaganda, essentially. And I don't know, I think I might trust ISIS more than the White House on certain issues. Like, obviously, ISIS is bad, but I feel like they're pretty upfront with how bad they are often. Like, they release videos... Murdering people, beheading people like they're pretty upfront with how goddamn brutal they are, whereas like the U.S. lies about how brutal they are all the time. Yeah. I said, you know, you know what you're getting. Also, on Thursday, the U.S. State Department claimed it had intelligence that Russia was planning a false flag operation to justify an invasion of Ukraine. State Department spokesperson Ned Price claimed that the Russians were shooting a fake film that depicted Russian forces under attack from Ukrainians. It was complete with crisis actors. Uh, The department didn't release any evidence to support their claim. And if Price thought that that was going to fly in the briefing room, he was mistaken as soon as AP reporter Matt Lee had a chance to ask a question. Uh, Okay, well, that's quite a mouthful there. Um, So you said actions such as these suggest otherwise, suggest meaning they, they suggest they're not interested in talks and they're going to go ahead with some kind of a... What action are you talking about? One, the actions I've just pointed to. Uh, the what fact, action? What? The, the fact that Russia continues to engage uh, in disinformation well, uh, campaigns. You, know, you made an allegation that they might do that. Have they actually done it? Uh, what we know, Matt, is what we what I have just said, that they have engaged in this activity, well, uh, in this planning well, activity. But, but let me let me because because obviously this is not this is not the first time we've made uh, these reports public. You'll remember that just a few well, weeks I, ago. I'm sorry, you, made, made, made what report public? 
if you'll let me finish, I will okay. tell you what report we made okay. public. Uh, we told you a few weeks ago that we have information indicating Russia also has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has already well, taken. It's an action that you say that they have taken, but you have shown no evidence to, 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 to confirm that. And I'm going to get to the next question here, which is, what is the evidence that they, I mean, this is like crisis actors, really? This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. Um, what evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the, in, in the making? Matt, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. government, intelligence information that we have declassified. I think you well, know. Okay, well, where, where is it? Where, where is this information? It is intelligence information that we have declassified. Well, where is it? Where is the declassified information? I just delivered it. No, you made a series of allegations and statements. Would you, would you like us to print it out the topper? Because you will see a transcript of this briefing that you can print out for that, yourself. That's not evidence, Ned. That's you saying it. That's not evidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> what would you like, Matt? I, I would like to see some proof that you, that, 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 that you can show that... that Matt, you have that, been that, that shows you, that 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 you, shows that the Russians are doing this. Ned, I've been doing this for. A I long know that time. was my point. As, you as, you as have you, know. you you have been doing this for quite a while. You know I that have. when we declassify intelligence That's information, right. and I we do so in, in a means. In we do and so. I, and, we do so with an eye to protecting that, that sources and methods. Is not going to fall. I, I remember a lot of things. So where, where where is the declassified information other than you coming out here and saying? Matt, I'm sorry you don't like the format, uh, but we have it's declassified. It's not the format; it's the content. I'm sorry you don't like the content. I'm sorry it's you. I'm sorry like you are doubting this. the information that is in the possession of the U.S. government. No, I, I, what I'm telling you is that this is information that's available to us. We are making it available to you. Yeah, but you don't have any any evidence to back it up, other than what you're saying. It's like you're saying. We think we 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 have information. The Russians may do this. But you won't tell us what the information well, is. That, and then when, when, that, when you're that, asked... That, that is the idea behind when, deterrence, Matt. When, that when, is the idea behind asked, deterrence. And when it is asked, our hope that the Russians don't go forward with this. when the information is, you say, I just gave it to you. But that, that's not what... You, you seem not to not understand the, you seem not to no, understand no, no, the idea of deterrence. We are trying to deter the Russians from moving forward with this type of activity. That is why we're making it public today. If the Russians don't go forward with this, that is not... Uh, ipso facto, an indication that they never had plans to do so. Uh, but then it's unprovable. <laughs> I mean, my God, what is the evidence that you have that suggests that, that, that the Russians are even planning this? Matt, you, I mean, I'm not you, saying that they're not, but you just come out and say this and expect us just to, to, to believe it without you showing a shred of evidence that it's actually true. Other than when I ask, or when anyone else asked, what's the information? You said, well, I just gave it to you, which was just you making a statement. Matt, you said yourself, you've been in this business for quite a long time. You know that when we make information, uh, intelligence information public, we do so uh, in, a, in a way that protects sensitive sources and methods. You also know that we do so, we declassify information only when we're confident in that information. Right, Ned, if you doubt, if you doubt the, the credibility of the US government, of the British government, uh, of other governments and want to uh, you know, find uh, solace in information that uh, the solace? Russians are putting out. Uh, that is uh, <laughs> that is for to, you to do. I'm not asking what, what the Russian government is putting out. And, and what, do you mean, what is it supposed to be? Get his ass, Matt. Get his ass. Some some smarminess about Ned Price. I just can't stand. No, and some smarminess about his fans, or I should say, Biden administration fans on social media. That is also equally insufferable. I mean, you and I and, you know, people who have loosely been following the State Department for a long time know that Matt Lee is a veteran reporter with a long track history of a long track record of grilling State Department spokespeople one after another, just like that. You know, he's given the first question at every single daily press briefing because of his veteran status. And I, I also assume that all the other reporters in the room know that he does a great job and asks news-making questions time and time again. But in response to this incident on, on Thursday, you just had a bunch of blue no-matter-who dipshits being like, oh, was he like that during the Trump era? 
<laughs> yes, he fucking yes. was. It just he was like that during the Obama era too. He's just like that. But also, it you know the the state daily briefings don't often they're not at the top of the news because it's not every day that a State Department spokesperson accuses another nuclear power of trying to do a false flag with crisis actors to start a fucking war. God. Yeah. And of course, Ned Price resorting to the same tactic as Jen Psaki, accusing Matt Lee of buying Russian propaganda. As the U.S. government looks to involve itself in another war in Eastern Europe, the aftershocks of the war in Afghanistan continue to have devastating effects. The hunger crisis in Afghanistan is worsening, with U.S. officials continuing to freeze the assets of the Afghan government in the wake of the Taliban takeover. To the losers go the spoils. Humanitarian organizations have warned that 1 million children are in danger of starving to death, among 23 million Afghans in need of immediate assistance, That's about half the country, and the heart-wrenching stories are pouring out this week. NBC News reported of a woman feeding her family rice, beans, and crusts of dry bread, forcing her to seek medical attention for her two-year-old son with an irregular heartbeat. She said that it's been difficult getting her kids protein, and that her other four children are not doing much better than her two-year-old boy. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal reported a spike in premature births with starving mothers physically incapable of carrying their babies to term. There's also an uptick in kids under five being hospitalized for, pro- for problems rela- related to malnourishment, such as pneumonia and diarrhea. The paper told of one distraught man trying to sell his three-year-old daughter in Kabul for $200 because he can barely afford to feed himself. The New York Times also reported that more than 1 million Afghans have fled the country by crossing into Iran between October and January. Late last week, our friend Ned Price was asked about how the U.S. is responding to this crisis. He said, quote, We have a commitment that you have heard to the people of Afghanistan, and you've seen us make good on that commitment and in a number of ways. Price cited $500 million in humanitarian relief given by the U.S. to Afghanistan since last summer. As usual, Price is dodging responsibility here. The U.S. has frozen at least $8 billion with a B in Afghan government assets since its allies in Kabul lost the war. The U.N. estimates that the Afghan economy is set to contract by 20% this year. U.S. officials have said that they're hoping to use frozen aid to influence the Taliban. Last October, Price said the assets were among, quote, carrots and sticks available to U.S. policymakers. You know what Afghanistan could use right now? Uh, Some actual carrots on account of the massive hunger crisis. Anyway, I uh, was talking about the U.S. allies losing the war in Afghanistan earlier, or sorry, uh, late last year. Well, it seems like the war isn't actually over. The U.S. has simply changed its tactics after losing a series of battles and is now using mass starvation as a weapon of war. Yeah, that's a crucial point. It's clear that U.S. policy is still to dislodge the Taliban from government. Uh, They're just engaging in uh, less overt military tactics to do it. Uh, Biden got a lot of praise from folks on the left for ending the war in Afghanistan. Uh, Proclamations that he's, you know, the best president uh, in generations and decades. Uh, because he was able to end a war, but he's simply replaced it with uh, essentially a, a siege. Economic warfare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Siege tactics. A couple uh, quickies here. Reports are that congressional staffers are circulating union petitions, hoping to get voluntary recognition from their members uh, in their office. Uh, members of Congress are basically the boss of each little House or Senate office. Um, This is from Josh Idelson over at Bloomberg. This could make for a weird dynamic on the Hill with some offices unionized and some not. Say good. Let's let's see this play out. Let's see Republican staffers have like shittier working conditions and like centrist Democrat staffers have shittier working conditions than staff in Ilhan Omar's office or something. Uh, Maybe that would translate to better 
legislation to protect unions. Uh, I don't know. I'm being a little optimistic here. Also, props to the Daily Poster, soon to be known as The Lever, uh, a piece the outlet published this week called out the Biden administration for trying to appeal a Delaware court ruling in which a judge dismissed a disabled person's student loan debt, citing hardship. The Department of Education was planning to launch an appeal to still try to collect payment on that debt from this individual who can't um, get employment and is over $100,000 in debt. The Daily Poster wrote an article about this. Actually, a friend of the show, Andrew Perez, uh, was on that story along with uh, Walker Bragman and Julia Rock. And as soon as this story was published, uh, it got picked up elsewhere. Biden administration got a lot of bad press. And on Friday, it was announced that the Department of Education would no longer pursue the appeal. Uh, That's good news because if they did appeal and if they won, that could have set a legal precedent uh, in which it would have made it much, much, much more difficult to get your student loans discharged due to uh, uh, financial burden and bankruptcy proceedings. One more quick story uh, to discuss here. This one is just breaking. Uh, Senator Patrick Leahy has urged President Biden to commute Leonard Peltier's sentence. Um, rather than go into the background of all this, I'll just read uh, the paragraph here from Senator Leahy, which itself goes into the background of this story. Quote, I urge President Biden to commute Leonard Peltier's prison sentence and release him from federal prison. Peltier, a prominent Native American activist, was imprisoned for crimes he and many other legal experts and advocates maintain he never committed. His trial was so riddled with flaws that even one of the prosecutors trying him has acknowledged that Peltier was wrongly convicted. Peltier, now 77 years old and ailing with multiple health problems, has served more than 44 years in federal prison. He he is exactly the kind of individual who should be considered for clemency. Yes. Good job, Leahy. When you when you said I have breaking news, Senator Patrick Leahy, I thought you were going to say he died. <laughs> so Jesus. much better news there. I mean, he's he's getting up there. You got to, you know, it's like he, when he's you not see re- certain names trending, you get yeah. concerned. He's not running for uh, for re-election because he's, no. you know, getting up there. Yeah, he needs he needs to enjoy his retirement a bit. All right, it is FOIA Friday. I think maybe we should reconsider the segment name because while we do record this on Fridays, so it is FOIA Friday right now, the show does come out on Saturday, so people uh, listen to it. It's not FOIA Friday anymore. I don't know. What do you think? Do, does it matter? Do people care? Uh, I'll, you know, uh, let's kick that can down the road. Okay. What are you looking into? The centers for, well, I guess I should say that first, uh, I have the results of a FOIA to um, read out, report, et cetera, and then uh, some new requests. So uh, on the former, the Centers for Disease Control got a little touchy about an article on the agency limiting its data collection of so-called breakthrough COVID cases when individuals who have been vaccinated contract the disease. After a roundup email aggregating news of the day on August 6, 2021, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky flagged the article, asking staffers, quote, worth outreach to clarify? The staffer, agency spokesman Jason McDonald, replied, quote, I reached to this reporter not going to engage to correct, can explain later, to which Dr. Walensky said, K, thanks, R. The reporter, Newsweek's Daniel Villarreal, wrote an article about how the CDC had decided to stop collecting some data about breakthrough infections in May before the spread of the Delta variant and how that hindered the public's understanding of how Delta was spreading and where. While the agency continued to collect data on breakthrough cases that led to hospitalization and death, it stopped keeping track of mild cases. It's unclear exactly what in the Newsweek piece that Dr. Walensky and her staff took exception to, but the roundup did feature another article from The Guardian about the CDC paring back its breakthrough data collection. The main substantive difference between the two, The Guardian article noted that the CDC collects its data from state public health agencies in the first place, 
The Newsweek article doesn't mention that fact, though it does cite Politico reporting about eight states reducing data collection on breakthrough cases after the CDC said it would be downsizing its aggregation efforts. So you can't really blame Newsweek for being too unfair here. Perhaps why Walensky's staff didn't quote-unquote engage to correct. Though the Though the Guardian article did note that the CDC gets its data from the states and, at the time, only 25 states collected info on breakthrough infections, the piece was still critical of the federal agency. Freelance science writer Yasmin Tayag noted that the CDC tracked all breakthrough infections between January 1st and May 1st and lamented how the public was dependent on nonprofits, journalists, and advocacy groups for breakthrough infection info. Comprehensive data on breakthrough infection, she said, help vaccinated people protect kids who aren't eligible for vaccines yet and themselves, especially with unknowns about long COVID. And the data offers evidence to anti-vaxxers about how rare it is for vaccinated people to end up in the hospital, though somehow I uh, don't imagine that would get through to them. The problem with the CDC's approach was explained in an article published late last fall by a health outlet called MedPage Today. Breakthrough data published in mid-November was from early October, and it only covered cases in certain states that led to hospitalization, meaning people were ignorant of traveling to places where COVID was more prevalent than publicly known. As reporter Sophie Putka said, quote, As Americans weigh the risks of holiday gatherings, many are looking for data on COVID-19 breakthrough cases, hospitalizations, and deaths among the vaccinated, but nationally that information is not reported in real time. Throughout the pandemic, health officials have struggled to give useful information to the U.S. public, and the CDC has not been immune to this problem, no pun intended, and it seems to be especially acute, also no pun intended, under Dr. Walensky. One example of recent confusion, the CDC cut recommended isolation time in late December for people who test positive for COVID from 10 days to 5 days. This was after lobbying from airline CEOs amid the holiday travel crunch. But after pushback from critics decrying the lack of mention of a negative COVID test before returning back to work, on January 4th, the agency said that those isolating can get a negative test before returning to work if they want, but did not recommend a negative test, adding to the confusion. In Dr. Walensky's defense, she at least appears to be aware that she is no great communicator. From a Wall Street Journal report from about two weeks ago, quote, Dr. Walensky said she is committed to communicating CDC policy more clearly. She is being coached by a media consultant and plans to hold more media briefings in the coming months, separate from her appearances with the White House COVID-19 response team. Walensky is a very competent public speaker, and she's very good at uh, appearing on television. Uh, That's not her problem. Her problem is her ideas uh, and the things she believes, like when she says that uh, Omicron uh, isn't that bad uh, and that those who are dying are have other comorbidities, so uh, we shouldn't take it too seriously. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe her PR team will coach her to not say shit like that. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it's an issue of her uh, not effectively uh, communicating or not communicating clearly enough. I got the message very clear uh, on what she was saying. In other FOIA matters, I've filed two new requests this week. We have another Tesla recall to look into. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration recalled 53,822 Teslas, models S, X, 3, and Y, because their self-driving system is programmed to break traffic laws. From the agency, quote, a software functionality referred to as rolling stop allows the vehicle to travel through always stop intersections at up to 5.6 miles per hour before coming to a complete stop if certain conditions are first met. What? The the problem can be fixed with a software update from Tesla, but this is still worth looking into because Elon Musk is a giant baby. He lashed out at the Associated Press's Tom Krischer for doing a straight wire service report on the issue, saying, quote, 
He's actually a lobbyist, not a journalist. There are many who pose as the latter while behaving like the former. No integrity. Maybe Elon was upset because Krischer's report noted that Elon programmed his cars to violate every state in the country's traffic laws. What an irascible baby. Yeah, this is deliberate. <laughs> Somebody yes. designed the software to uh, run through stop signs. And when certain conditions are first met, like, what does that mean? That means, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the computer doesn't sense people crossing the street or whatever. But well, I that's mean, the like, problem, because the computer yeah. often doesn't sense people crossing the street when there are people crossing the damn street. Yeah, we've seen a rash of videos on social media of like, you know, Tesla drivers needing to take to override the uh, autopilot to avoid like running into things and people. And um, yeah, when it comes to those stop signs, especially less busy ones, those four way stops, cops absolutely love posting up kind of far back to see people to catch people rolling through stop signs. There was one near where I back when I was a kid where I grew up that a cop would always be posted at. So even if it's safe, the software is essentially committing you to traffic tickets. Yes. I mean, to be clear, I am not anti-rolling stop in general. <laughs> I just don't think that artificial intelligence is at, is at the place yet where it can properly do them. Yeah. You got to have that steady driving hand like Sam Knight to pull off the rolling through stop signs move. And speaking of adult toddlers getting mad at AP reporters, the second request is about the State Department's clash with Matt Lee. I asked the agency for any emails from today or yesterday involving Lee as either a subject or a correspondent involving at least one of the State Department's public affairs leaders including Ned, the price is wrong price. Very good. The price is wrong, Ned. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's the FOIA. We've gone through the news. There's only one thing left to do on today's episode. You know what that is, right, Sam? Interns, bring out that garbage can. Let's see it. Let's smell it, I should say. Whew. Oof, I gave the baby the week off, but I did feed the cat a lot of chili. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. I bet that cat loves the chili. Well, yeah, I mean, you're smelling why vets tell you not to feed cats chili. I wow. fed the dog some bacon. So, yeah. dog loves bacon, absolutely loves it. Creates a big mess, though. And that mess is in the trash can now. <laughs> That's good, interns. Right there. Thank you. Garbage candidate number one, Mark Zuckerberg. He didn't really do anything specifically bad this week. Just wanted to note that he lost $30 billion in one day on Thursday when Facebook or Meta, Meta stock plummeted by like 26% in one day. Uh, wiped out over $200 billion uh, in wealth. That's more wealth than most companies that have ever existed in the history of the world are worth. Uh, Facebook just wiped it out in about eight hours of trading on the market. I'd say Zuckerberg losing $30 billion in one day is yet another reminder that he has way too much money. Uh, and he's just blowing it on nothing useful like the goddamn metaverse. Part of what's driving Facebook's stock or Meta's stock down is the massive losses in the metaverse, the investments in the metaverse that Meta has made. Uh, it lost $10 billion last year. Meta's stock is down again on Friday, only slightly, about 1% or 2%, uh, not like it was on Thursday. Zuckerberg reportedly is telling people that we need to go back to video. <laughs> we need to pivot back to video now. <laughs> he had a meeting with staff and reports from the from the meeting were that he had like like red teary eyes during the entire meeting. Uh, oh yes, said, I, I have that I have that pulled up actually. Um that they yeah. were the Bloomberg. He, he wasn't crying though. He wasn't crying or anything. No, no. That it was quote the result of a scratched cornea. Hmm. 
You know, I, I believe More like him, the result though, of losing $30 billion in a day. I, I actually do believe him when he says that he wasn't crying because I don't know if he has the ability to feel feelings at all. He, he hasn't gotten that systems update yet that no. allows him to engage in emotions. He can roll through stop signs, though. That's right. All right, so the Mark Zuckerberg nominated for the garbage can. Garbage candidate number two, Senator Marco Rubio. Rubio's introduced something called the Teamwork for Employees and Managers Act, or the, yeah, the Team Act. Uh, it's aimed at undercutting labor unions. And here's what it would do. The bill establishes what are called employee involvement organizations, which are voluntarily created organizations comprised of an employer and a group of their employees for the purpose of discussing matters of mutual interest, such as quality of work, productivity, efficiency, compensation, benefits, and accommodation of religious beliefs and practices. These employee involvement organizations are not unions and cannot enter into collective bargaining agreements. They serve as an alternative to employee unionization and are dissolvable by the employer. That's what the description of Rubio's legislation here, the Teamwork for Employees and Managers Act, that's what it would do. Sounds like shit. Yeah, it turns uh, collective bargaining into collective begging. And actually, these company unions are currently illegal under the National Labor Relations Act. So, um, Rubio knows I, I, this. I, yes. As and we he's, get, he's, he's writing the legislation in a way to not run afoul of the NLRB. Right. He's claiming this is not a union at all. It's basically just like a, a listening session with the boss. As, as weak as our labor laws are, they still manage to forbid this. But if Rubio gets his way, uh, not for long. Garbage candidate number three. Ned Price and Jen Psaki, we covered this at the top of the show. Just atrocious behavior from uh, administration spokespeople this week, uh, refusing to take seriously requests for evidence to back up fairly outlandish claims that have been made from the podium by both of these people and lashing out at reporters accusing them of uh, falling prey to foreign propaganda instead of believing U.S. intel agencies I don't think we need to get too much more into this. Uh, I think we made the case at the beginning of the show. They're both very worthy of a garbage candidacy. Yeah, say what you will about the Russians like hacking emails or whatever, but at least when they are, um, you know, attempting to expose their adversaries, they, they have they have the receipts, you know, they prove it. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna accuse Russians of like putting together some slick Hollywood style production designed to like facilitate some false flag, fucking prove it. Garbage candidate number four, Joe Manchin, and his staffer who texts him the national debt every morning. I remember hearing this story a, a while ago and thinking, eh, it's probably like some like kind of uh likely bullshit uh, apocryphal story about Joe Manchin and his obsession with the national deficit. No, it's actually true. Uh, I saw a picture of Joe Manchin's phone online with the text messages from his staffer every single morning. Good morning, Senator Manchin. The national debt stands at, and it then gives the number of whatever the national debt is. <laughs> I was going to ask what his source is, but what's the point? This shit is so stupid. God. It's probably like nationaldebtclock.com yeah, or some bullshit. I was going to say. Which know. doesn't actually reflect the debt. The debt. It's just like you know some sort of algorithm or equation that constantly adds up. As I said, uh, as I tweeted yesterday, uh, my guess is that whoever this staffer is who texts Manchin every morning at 8.30 what the national debt is, uh, he sounds like the type of dude who wears his lanyard to the bar and to the metro and all over town as much as he can. You know what, though? Uh, he has a name and an address, and so does Joe Manchin. <laughs> Which we will not be saying on the air here. 
Garbage candy number five, uh, if I can indulge a little bit, uh, the Ukrainians who are mad at me online had a bizarre experience on Thursday uh, and had Ukrainians yelling at me all day because I don't support the U.S. military getting involved in any sort of conflict in Ukraine. And I, 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 I'm trying to be sympathetic here, and I do understand the position a little bit. Like if I lived in Ukraine and I was concerned about Russia invading me, I might want some weapons from the U.S. Uh, as well. Um, I wouldn't attach that to me being a good socialist, though, like these people online were accusing me of not standing in solidarity with other leftists under attack in Ukraine because I didn't support U.S. military involvement uh, in, in the country. Um, don't support weapons going to the Azov Battalion uh, in Ukraine. Uh, so I guess that makes me, uh, uh, I guess that means I'm spurning socialist solidarity. Weird stuff. Like there is a varying opinion within Ukraine here um, on on what direction the country should go, uh, whether it should join NATO uh, and such. And so it's hard to capture the opinion of any individual Ukrainian. Um, and I'm sure the people who are mad at me don't speak on behalf of all of Ukraine. Uh, the country's been involved in the civil war since 2014, essentially. And I, I, I don't see how U.S. weapons are going to make that situation any better. But I think that there's a perspective bridge here that can't be that can't be crossed in a way. <laughs> like, yeah. It's 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 such a coward move to say like listen to the X people as if there's just one uniform voice, and you know we've heard it time and time again. Listen to the Ukrainian people, listen to the Syrian people, listen to the Iraqi people, and without fail, it's always people who who favor U.S. intervention in some way or another. At, at this this uh, crisis has been. At least it's been revealing and showing like who the actual left liberals are. I know that um, you know left liberal has become like kind of a buzzword in the um, in the rise of these sort of like post left like social conservative dipshits and paleo conservatives or whatever. Um, but I think you're getting a good example of this here, which is anyone who thinks that like. The United States is coming at any international conflict in good faith, right? And I, I, I will say this too, which is, you know, okay, so there could very well be Ukrainian socialists who want the U.S. to flood its country, you know, flood Ukraine with weapons. Um, I seem to recall in two thousand and three, when Baghdad fell, some of the. Um, most vocal celebrations on the street and there weren't many celebrations on the street because you know it's a city of millions and a lot of people either stayed home or they you know they looted some stuff um of course we remember the pulling down of the saddam statue that was very much um elevated and for lack of a better term staged actually it was a u.s tank that pulled it down but <laughs> i digress the point is is that that is the correct term i'd say staged. sure sure the point is that one faction that was really jazzed about, you know, Saddam's Baghdad falling was the Iraqi Communist Party. And they had reason to because the Ba'athist Party was, you know, the U.S. supported it to begin with because it was an anti-communist movement. Um, but that's just to say, like, so what if the Iraqi Communist Party was like, was was for Bush's war in Iraq? Like, that doesn't mean it's suddenly the right thing to do. Yeah. And as I was accused of not really knowing the situation in Ukraine or not speaking to enough Ukrainians to be able to take the position that of opposing escalation, U.S. escalation and military involvement in the country, uh, it also was clear that a lot of the people I, I, I was talking to were pretty unfamiliar with U.S. politics and even the U.S. in the history of like the U.S. military and its misadventure throughout the world. Um, I had one person like say that there 
there will no, not be any U.S. troops in Ukraine and there never will be. And maybe there won't be because maybe the situation will get resolved. But there are very strong political forces in the U.S. that do want a war with Russia, that do want to see Joe Biden take a more aggressive posture toward Russia over Ukraine in hopes of provoking a larger conflict. You have uh, James Inhofe, who uh, discussed uh, threatening nuclear weapons in this conflict, immediately playing that card to show to to scare Russia or to get Russia to back down. You have Republicans saying we need U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine. And we're not a what a few years removed from liberals using very bellicose rhetoric when it comes to talking about Russia as part of the whole Russiagate hysteria. Yeah, the point is, this can spiral out of control very quickly. And if you give the U.S. government an inch to pursue any sort of new military objective, it'll lead to a disaster. It'll lead to a fucking disaster. And it's a bad situation in Ukraine. There are a lot of factors involved here. Like, if people genuinely want peace above all else, then... then Listen to Putin, right? <laughs> like, th- then let's 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 have a commitment from NATO that they won't seek Ukraine's membership in the military alliance. And sure, Ukraine has a right to self determination, but NATO also has a right to say this actually might not be good for our alliance and is provoking regional instability that's not good for the world. So maybe we shouldn't pursue this. But of course, NATO is is there to encircle Russia, to isolate Russia, to antagonize Russia. That doesn't justify any of Russia's actions over the last eight years. Doesn't it justify an invasion or the actions the Russian military has taken that has resulted in the deaths of thousands of civilians in eastern Ukraine? Shit's all fucked up, but there there are no innocent people. There are no innocent actors at the government level in this situation here. There are a lot of innocent people who are suffering as a result of this in Ukraine. And I'm not sure that U.S. weapons or U.S. troops will make that uh, any any better for them. No, I think, and, uh, al- I- and also in the you don't have to give them credit department, uh, on the flip side, a lot of the uh, right-wing people, for lack of a better term, I mean, they're basically not people, they're sub-people, but like <laughs> Tucker Carlson, for example, he has come out against a conflict uh, with Russia, the U.S. getting involved in a conflict with Russia, but despite what certain commentators say online, it is in no way motivated by any sort of anti-war principles. Tucker has, uh, he did a segment just like a few days ago saying that one of the reasons we shouldn't get involved in any sort of conflict with Russia is because the future is a conflict with China. And he seems quite enthusiastic about that. Same with Josh Howley. You know, same kind of shtick. Uh, he's come out opposed to uh, any sort of escalation in Ukraine, uh, while at the same time talking about how China is our greatest enemy right now, and we have to devote more resources to combating that threat. I've got to say, it, it might come down to the particulars and the details, but if the U.S. and China go to war... I'm probably team China. Oh, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Garbage candidate number six, people who are making their Amazon delivery drivers dance. Oh, God. I guess this is a real thing because people are are tweeting it out. They're admitting that they make their requests. I guess they can't make. They ask the... Uh, delivery drivers through their ring camera or through notes on uh, delivery instructions to do a little dance when you drop a package off or say a little spiel each time you drop a package off at at my house. Yeah. um, It should be legal for the delivery drivers to like break something of people who, who do that. I would a window, a, a flower pot, Whatever. I'm just amazed people admit to this behavior online. Admit that they make other humans do this for their own amusement. 
like for some reason in their in their twisted fucked brains that they like they think they're being playful. Yeah. Yeah, when they're right. like to dance dance for your meal. They think they're in like a Pharrell music video or something. No okay. one's happy. <laughs> no one is fucking happy, especially no not one, the guy no who's one's delivering lucky. your goddamn packages right now. All right, what are we thinking? What are we thinking here? We got a lot of candidates, a lot of good ones. We too. do. We surely right, let's do. Let's dismiss Zuckerberg. Whatever. He lost enough this week. We don't need to throw him in. Yeah, um, we'll have we'll have other reasons. Joe um, Manchin and the staffer who text him at the national debt. They've already cell phoned themselves enough. They've embarrassed themselves enough with that. Joke. I don't. Uh, Rubio's bill sucks, but it's not going to go anywhere. Um, yeah, let's let's he, get rid of that. He is terrible, and we'll probably find another reason to to throw him in another week. I don't think the garbage can's big enough for all the Ukrainians who are mad at me online, so <laughs> we'll disregard that <laughs> as well. Um, same with the people who are making their Amazon delivery drivers dance. Look, that leaves I, us with uh, one candidate, or should I say two? You're right. Ned, Ned Price and Jen Saki, you are going in the garbage can. Oh, Saki bomb into some cat diarrhea. That's the show. Thank you for listening. Thanks for your support. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.